Welcome to the Posture, Strength, and Mobility Podcast. I'm Isaac Osborne, and I'm here to share with you tips, tricks, hacks, interesting musings, and much more in short, digestible episodes. To learn more about how you can improve your posture, strength, and mobility, check out the show notes for links. Onward with the show. Welcome to episode 11, Is Surgery Necessary for a Torn Meniscus? Today's podcast, I will share with you how I have injured my knees and the surgeries that I have gotten and why. I will also share with you how I have avoided surgery in one knee. I'm also showing you today, I have a new microphone and I'm sitting how I actually normally sit when I'm working at a computer. In previous podcasts, I was using a different microphone and this is a microphone that is attached to my body rather than an external microphone that's not attached to my body so that uh, I can sit on the floor like I normally do and take care of my body while I do this podcast. I gotta practice what I preach, folks, you know? So it, it, it's, uh, it's important to me to live the way that I am um, basically preaching, right? So in this podcast uh, today, uh, I'm gonna share with you all these things uh, that I have gone through in my life and I'm just gonna go right into the history of my own knee pain, knee issues. So let's jump right in. Okay, so growing up, uh, I had multiple injuries to both knees. I started uh, surfing. My dad was pushing me into, into waves when I was two years old. And I grew up surfing, skateboarding, and snowboarding, uh, riding BMX bikes, being an all around crazy kid and I've had numerous injuries, specifically in skateboarding, really, really uh, had a number of injuries uh, to my knee, uh, specifically my left knee. And uh, all this, you know, I was just a wild child and I was out doing a lot of activity. So there was no real recovery work, nor did I even know if there was recovery work. Heck, there wasn't even helmets at that point in time in my life. Um, so one of the first injuries that I had uh, that that really made a massive impact on my knee was I was at a skate park and my foot slipped off the um, back uh, portion of the skateboard and my knee dragged along. I was going really fast and then it buckled my knee sideways and it torqued my ACL. I don't know at that point if I had a full tear or not. I don't believe that I had a full tear of the ACL at that point in time, but I believe that it was partially torn at that point in time. So this was the this was my left knee, and this was around, uh, I would say, probably the year 2000, 2001. So, you know, over 20 years ago is when it was. Uh, I recovered from that, but I noticed instability in my knee after that. I researched um, what to do for for the knee and knowing that I was putting my knee at at risk. I know there's many people that have continued lifelong sports without uh, getting ACL surgery. So, you know, I looked into, you know, strengthening the quads, strengthening um, the the lateral uh, stabilizers, uh, the adductors, the hamstrings, and I did all that. And I recovered from that injury. And so then the next injury that I had was about, probably about, uh, it was in 2008. So uh, what is that over, you know, 12 years ago, 2008, I um, was kite surfing. Uh, 
And I, it was strangely enough, I stepped off the board and I stepped wrong and I buckled my knee and my ACL. Uh, again, I don't know if it tore completely at that point or not, but it sure felt like it did at that time. <laughs> so it, it keeps going. Um, so then uh, in around 2000, again, I recovered from that. I kept strengthening those muscles. Then around uh, 2000 and I believe uh, 2012 or so, maybe earlier, I started doing uh, a martial arts called Subakdo. And Subakdo has a lot of jumping, spinning kicks. And I'm sure if you know that this is not the best thing for a, a torn ACL. And so I got by pretty well for quite a good amount of time. And then I did a jumping spinning kick, landed incorrectly, my knee buckled. And um, again, um, at that point, it had to have completely torn the ACL. My knee was a lot more uh, unstable at that point. Uh, but then I kept going. I kept going with it, um, uh, opposing to the advice of um, many physicians. And I was getting uh, advice from other other practitioners and people letting me know that, that oh, you can do this. Uh, go for it. You can continue to strengthen it and so forth. Little did I know that I was also damaging quite badly uh, the meniscus in my, in my left knee. Uh, fast forward um, to about another year or two later. This was, I think, I believe in um, 2014, 20, yeah, 2014, I, I believe, uh, I was skateboarding again and I was going really fast. I was with my, my family and I kind of jumped off the skateboard to run and my knee just completely buckled and I went down. And at this point I had been surfing, I had been snowboarding and I'd wear a knee brace uh, surfing. And um, I was experimenting with some other things and other strength patterns and I failed, absolutely failed and uh, completely tore up my knee. And this injury was by far the worst. It, the injury was so bad that I, it tore so much in there that the cartilage, uh, not the cartilage, the, the meniscus in the backside of the knee joint, the meniscus uh, tore so much that it ended up in the front portion of my knee. And now what's interesting is <laughs> on average, when there's a tear to an ACL or a meniscus, the knee swells up um, and you know, you're in pain, you can't move very much. And you have about two weeks and swelling usually subsides within two weeks. And this is where, where people typically re-injure ACLs because two weeks later, like, oh, wow, I feel fine. I don't even feel like I, I really did anything because the muscle stabilization comes back. Um, one of the first things that happens is the, the quads start coming back online, so to speak, because they're the first muscles to atrophy in many of these type of injuries. And two weeks later, you know, everyone thinks typically thinks they're fine, including myself at that point in time. So uh, I was... 
I was very adamant that I was done with this and I was started looking at knee surgery, ACL uh, reconstruction. And uh, one of the things I regret was, was looking, back, looking back on all this, I wish I would have gotten the ACL surgery at least at the second point of my injury because I, I felt like I was somewhat successful in strengthening the muscles and stabilizing my knee. However, uh, when that second time in that kiteboarding injury, uh, I wish I would have gotten the ACL surgery. You know, we all make mistakes. Uh, I was following some advice that I was given to me at the time, and I really, really didn't want surgery like many people out there don't want surgery. So it's absolutely possible to not have surgery and have, I could have had a great rest of my life with no surgery. However, the sports and things that I like to do um, require stabilization from the ACL uh, ligament quite a bit, like surfing, snowboarding, skateboarding, uh, martial arts, and those sort of things. And it's kind of suicide to some degree <laughs> to do those things when you have a torn ACL. And that's one of the main reasons why I lost so much meniscus in my knee is because of uh, tearing the ACL. There's the instability there. And whenever my knee would just, you know, buckle, I would tear all that meniscus. So um, what's interesting, before I got the surgery, I was actually able to to achieve almost a full range of motion with that much torn meniscus in my knee. And a lot of the, the ways that I was able to do that was a lot of the functional exercises that I practice and I teach and I help people with. And, and so what's, in, what's really interesting about that is that it's, it's the position of the joint that matters. So I had a lot of floating material around my joint. For instance, um, I'm going to go into a squatting position right now. So when, when you squat into a position, if you don't have the right level in the pelvis and rotation in the pelvis, you're not going to get the right uh, alignment in the knee. And even with all that uh, foreign material in the knee, I was basically able to get almost into a full squat um, it was a little bit sore and a little bit tender when I did it. I felt pressure in certain areas. However, I had, for the most part, no pain in my knees when I did those type of movements because I worked so much on the alignment of my knees. Um, had I had a full ACL, um, I probably would have been just fine. So I elected to do um, the surgery and uh, when they went in there, I lost, let's see, I think I lost, um, it was 80% of my meniscus on the medial side of my knee and 50% of the meniscus on my lateral side of my knee. So this obviously put my knee in danger of degeneration. Uh, I'm working as hard as I can with my, with my diet, keeping my diet an anti-inflammatory diet and Basically, with the, the dietary practice, I'm more animal-based in what I eat and like more like a paleo type of diet. And that's one thing that I, that I do. The other thing that I do is all the exercises. However, it wasn't enough. I had damaged my knee so much that, um, that I lost that meniscus. And uh, let me backtrack for just a second. Uh, I got the surgery. I had the ACL surgery, but I elected to do 
using my own hamstring because at the time I was actually in a very emotionally unstable place. Probably wasn't the best time to choose to do a surgery. Um, I'm ashamed to say it, but you know, hey, life's a bitch sometimes and we don't make the best decisions. I wish I would have chose the cadaver, but it was just creeping me out so much to put a cadaver uh, into my body that I figured if I put it in my body, it'd probably fail because I was freaking out so much about it in my head. Who knows? Uh, I do regret that. I wish I would have gotten the cadaver and not my hamstring tendon, which led to more issues with my knee, and that's why I'm telling you this. It's a bummer. I made that decision, but you know, I gotta live with it. So as you can see from a few minutes ago, I do have a, a full squat. I have full range of motion in my squat. Um, and what I do also have now, uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I, my knee started swelling up and I have degeneration. Actually, I had degeneration underneath the kneecap and I also had degeneration on the outside of my, my knee on the outside of the patella, basically right in the, in the groove where the, where the kneecap runs back and forth. And so there's a decent amount of degeneration going on in there. So I just, and I couldn't do like a lot of the exercise stuff, like in the last podcast, I talked about how I would reduce swelling and that sort of thing. I was going surfing. It was, ex it was extremely irritating my knee and uh, I couldn't get the swelling down and my knee was really painful and there was a lot of particulates in there floating around again because of the activity level that uh, I tend to do and all that damaged meniscus from before. So, it, you know, I'm on track more than likely at some point unless there's some amazing technology that comes along uh, more than likely to get a knee replacement. And that's my story that's my journey on on that and it's a bummer it's a bummer that i've gotten to that place but you know it is what it is so i'm continuing to strengthen my quads strengthen my lateral stabilizer strengthen my hamstrings strengthen my lower leg do my best to keep my leg in as best alignment as as possible regardless of those factors and as you can see i have i have a full squat and I don't have any pain. I can go here. I can go up on the balls of my feet. I can, I can do a lot of different things. I can still surf. Um, I still work out. I still I mountain bike. I still do a lot of different things. So I have good range of motion in my knee, but it's only a matter of time. Who knows? We'll see until I get a possible knee replacement. I'm hoping not to. I'm hoping to drag it out as far as I possibly can. Um, well, we shall see. So that's my left knee. Bless you, left knee. <laughs> Talk nice to your body this is kind of a side note. Um, every time I work with people, you know, people, uh, they talk about their body like it's, like it's their enemy. Um, love your body. Talk nice to your body. This, these are your cells that you're, that you're living in. And and it matters. It really matters how you're talking to yourself. So if you're saying stupid knee all the time, um, this is going to affect the knee and healing and on some level. I don't know what level, but I believe that that, that mental type of self-care is really, really important. Just tell yourself that you love, your, love the knee. Give it a kiss. 
All right, so now with the right knee, the right knee is an interesting story. Uh, about 25 years ago, I woke up in the morning and uh, my knee was locked in a, in a nine, in a, basically in this position, this 90 degree position. Had no idea what was going on. Uh, hadn't injured it, hadn't done anything to it. I went to a number of doctors and they, uh, no one could figure it out. It wasn't swollen. It wasn't inflamed. It, it just, I couldn't straighten it. And then finally, uh, one of the orthopedics that I went and saw, uh, took an x-ray and found that there was uh, a foreign matter um, underneath my kneecap that wasn't letting it straighten. And he thought it was a bone chip. And so he elected, of course, to do surgery. I, I accepted and we went in and we did surgery. He took out the loose bone chip and it wasn't a bone chip. It was really interesting because it was actually like a little mini kneecap. It was about the size uh, when it when it came out. It, after it dried up, it shrunk quite a bit because I kept it. Yeah, I'm weird like that. But um, it was about the size of my ring finger nail and about maybe that thick, maybe three or four millimeters thick. It was really interesting. It was like shaped just like a kneecap and they actually had little like tendons on the end of it. And he said when he looked around in my knee, he found nowhere in my knee that could uh, that he could find where the bone chip came off. And, it, and I asked him, like, this is weird. And he said, well, sometimes uh, in vitro, you know, this happens, people can grow an extra kneecap in their knee, synovial fluid. So it took, I was about, I think I was 24. I think it was 24 or 25 years old at that time. So it took that long for it to get stuck underneath my kneecap, which is pretty interesting. So then um, it was about, I think about six, seven years ago, I was training for, um, I was doing a lot of uh, Spartan races, uh, obstacle courses, ob obstacle course races. And um, I was practicing pistol squats and I just was kind of pushing myself a little too far. And I felt a little give in my right knee. And then I felt soreness in, in the kneecap. And I knew exactly what it was. I knew that I had torn my meniscus. I went and got an MRI. And sure enough, there was a torn meniscus. So uh, and since I've dealt with my left knee so much, I knew that I would be able to... Um, rehab this knee in a way that I didn't get any surgery. So I've had zero, aside from getting that loose bone chip or mutant patella out of my knee, um, this right knee has had no surgical procedure for the meniscus or the ACL. And I'm very happy about that. I'm very glad that I that I don't need and I'm not going to get surgery on this right knee because I know what to do and I know what I was doing wrong. I was pushing myself too far, too fast with the exercises. I was working out too hard, too often. So what that created was it created this muscle tension in my joint that caused a lot of compression in the joint. And when there's a lot of compression in the joint, you're more susceptible to a torn meniscus. You're more susceptible, more susceptible to injuring ligamentation. So that's a big reason why this knee 
is better now because I backed off. As soon as I, I realized I was doing that, I was getting way too ego, egotistical in my exercises and way in my training. And um, so I backed off and focused more on functional movement, flexibility, stability, and that sort of thing. Because I want to continue to do the things that I love to do. Uh, I haven't done an obstacle race in a few years because of COVID, but I want to continue to surf. I want to continue to mountain bike. I want to continue to snowboard. Skateboarding's out. I don't really do skateboarding very much, except for my electric skateboard that I just kind of cruise around on a little bit. Um, but I'm not interested in doing all the tricks and skate parks and all that stuff like I used to be. So that's, that's my main dramatic story of my meniscus and my knee. So one of the exercises that is really interesting that I want to show you guys today and uh, that really helped my knee out with a torn meniscus was actually getting proper stabilization and mobility in the lower leg. Now what I mean by this is, is the lower leg has the ability to rotate in isolation of the upper leg. However, that isolation typically is with um, the knee bent. When the knee, when the leg is straight, and you try to rotate the rotate the leg, what's going to happen is you're going to get the entire leg to rotate rather than just the lower leg. And this is important because when the lower leg alignment is off, then when the knee bends, it's going to scrape across the meniscus. It's going to scrape across and put more tension on one, lig one side of the ligamentation than the other. And when you can rebalance that leg, then that knee hinge is going to be able to hinge better. I always like to say that the knee is the innocent bystander. It's, it's the communication between the ankle and the hip that typically tears knees apart. So if the hips aren't stabilizing properly, then the lower leg is gonna to try to compensate somehow, or gonna, the knee is gonna be in a sheared position because of it, because the, the hips can't stabilize while it's, while it's in that position. So when, when you're doing this exercise, I would, I would recommend that you take your time with it. Really find and slow down the movement as much as you can. And this is the exercise when I had, when I had tore that meniscus so bad in my left knee that it actually went to the front of the knee, I literally put the meniscus back to the, well, I mean, it was floating around right in there, but I literally took it out of the front of the knee and I got more range of motion in my knee by doing that. So you can move stuff around in your knee and I was able to do that with this exercise by taking my time with it and focusing on those movements and practicing it every single day. I cannot emphasize more, consistency is the key. Consistency is the key. So I'm gonna show you that exercise right now. And for those of you listening, uh, it will be pretty easy to follow along with the exercise and how to do it. All right, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna lie on your back. And I like to call these foot squares, is what I like to call them. So you can do it two different ways. So you lie on the back on your back on the floor, you, your knees are bent. And with your knees bent, you can either have your knees bent in this position or you can straighten one leg. 
So I'm gonna straighten my left leg here. I'm gonna grab and interlace my fingers behind my right knee. Now this is important where my knee is bent past my hip joint up towards my head. And I'm holding, I'm interlacing my fingers behind my knee. Now your shoulders should relax and don't put a lot of tension in your shoulders. Don't push your, your shoulders up towards the ceiling. You wanna, you, wanna, you wanna just let those shoulders relax and be on the floor. You wanna hold the leg up. You should be able to take your hand off while you're doing this exercise. You wanna hold that leg up so that it is not, uh, I mean, so you're not just using your hands to, and your arms to stabilize it. They're just there for a little extra support. You can do it without them as well. Now your ankle should be roughly the same height as your knee. The leg that is straight, try to keep that leg active and the foot pointing straight up to the ceiling. Don't let it just flop out to the side. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the top of my foot towards my knee. So the top of my foot and my toes are going up towards my knee. So that's a flex motion. Then I'm going to go out to the side. And what I'm imagining is a square on the ceiling. And we need to go to all four corners of the square. So my foot is flexed toes are up, staying flexed, and I rotate my foot out to the side. Now this is really important. You can actually take your hands and put it on the front of the, front of the knee and feel, if you put your hand on the, on the shin bone, as I turn my leg out, I should feel that bone shift out. Now what you don't want to do is you don't want to wiggle the leg back and forth like an alligator tail or jump up and down with your leg as you're doing this. You want that, that rotation to happen exactly at that lower leg. So I rotate out, outwards to the outside of my foot. Then I point my toes away from my knee and my foot away from my knee. Then I rotate in, so that would be the second edge of the square. Then I rotate my foot to the inside of my knee. My toes are still pointed. Then I bring my toes, and that would be the third point of the square. And then I bring my toes up and my foot up to the fourth point of the square. Now I return back over to that first point. Then I drop down to the second point. Then I go over to the third point and I go back up to that fourth point. And I just trace that for 20 reps at least. If you can't handle 20 reps, then do 10 reps. Do whatever you can do or the function of your body. But you really want to pay attention to does your foot when a lot of people do this, they do it, say we're at point one, and they bring their foot down, they end up between, as they're pointing their toes, they end up between point two and three. So it's like in the middle, right, of, the, of their foot. They're, they're actually not rotating and keeping that rotation out. And most people struggle with the internal rotation where you're bringing the foot to the inside of the knee, as opposed to rotating it outside. Most people's knees are rotated out and this is one of the issues of my left knee is my left foot had that rotation early on early on it had that rotation in the lower leg and this is one of the most damaging things you can have or I should I should say it sets you up more for an ACL injury than anything else is with that with that uh, lower leg bone the tibia rotated out because it actually puts stress on the ACL so you go 20 reps, and right now I'm moving in a clockwise motion, tracing the square. Then I, then I reverse and go in a counterclockwise rotation, 
uh, or tracing the square. And then I keep my foot in the middle and I do another 20 reps of point and flex. And it's this rotational movement that allows your knee to be able to shift and change its, its position out of that dysfunctional lower leg rotation that will realign your knee back into a place. It, it, it's one of the first steps that I give anybody with knee issues to be able to do to return their knee back because we're getting, we're actually getting hamstring function when, when we do this. We're getting muscles of the like tibia, gastroc, the fibularis muscles. We're getting a bunch of muscles uh, in, the, in the body, in the lower leg, in the upper leg that are coordinating to reestablish that proper alignment in the lower leg. Anytime there's that twist in the lower leg, excuse me, anytime that there's that twist in the lower leg, you're, you're risking ACL injuries, you're risking meniscus tears, and not only that, you're putting strain, unnecessary strain on your lower legs. And uh, I've experienced it through the, all the sports that I've done, I've experienced it from overtraining um, and having so much uh, tension in the musculature that it's actually either compressing it or rotating it and compressing it at the same time. So that is my knee story. I know I mentioned in the previous podcast that I would be talking about it. So I decided, hey, why not? Why not do it for the next episode? So there you go. Hopefully this brings some insight for you on that. Yes, it's possible to have you know, I have degeneration in, in this knee. I have loss of meniscus to a lot of meniscus loss in this knee. And I still have, you know, full range of motion of this knee. And it's because of these, fun these functional movements, corrective exercises, whatever we want to call them, neurological movements, stabilization, working on range of motion, all those things that I'm constantly doing more so than ever, not more so than ever before, but all the time. Uh, I'm just not focusing on just really, really trying to build a lot of mass like I was. And that's any, anytime you, you focus on building a ton of mass, you risk compressing joints more because there is more compression in the joint from that hypertrophy of musculature. So uh, that's today's podcast and let me know what you think about it. Hope you liked it and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a positive review so others may find it and get help too. Check out the show notes for links on how to win a mini integrator massage gun, posture strength and mobility classes that focus on corrective exercises, or self-myofascial release protocols for neck pain, back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis, and much more with my massage gun, The Integrator. Until next time, keep exploring your body and stay curious.